KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Welcome back to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Today we travel to Egypt by way of an actor I was told was the Egyptian Brad Pitt. In other words, he's a big star, even though most Americans don't know his name. And his name is... In Egypt, uh, they say Khaled el-Nabawi. Yeah, I had to have him teach me how to pronounce his name. Some of the people here, they say Khaled, or others say Khaled. But sometimes I succeed to make them say Khaled. I say, who say it? Kha. Yeah, yeah, try it. Khalid El Nabawi. Khalid El Nabawi. Hmm, maybe that's not quite right, but I'm getting close. But El Nabawi is in San Diego to reprise the role of Anwar Sadat that he originated in Lawrence Wright's play Camp David in 2014 at Washington, D.C.'s Arena Stage. Currently, he's playing the role at the Old Globe Theater. I took advantage of his availability to talk not just about the play, but also about his career in Egypt. We don't get many films from Egypt here in the U.S., so I was eager to get some insights into a cinema that I was unfamiliar with. I also wanted to get him on the podcast because The Globe is holding a screening of The Citizen, an English-language film he made in the U.S. in 2012. The free screening will be on Monday, May 23rd, and is already full, although you can sign up for a wait list in case people don't show up. In addition, Karama, the Arab and Islamic Information Project, will be holding a screening on Sunday, May 22nd of the 1959 Egyptian film Struggle on the Nile. The film stars a young Omar Sharif, three years before we would see him in David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia. Before I speak with Al Nabawi, I wanted to provide a little context for Egyptian cinema by speaking with Rebecca Romani, who covers Arab and African cinema for my blog, Cinema Junkie. Having a bona fide Egyptian star in our midst provided us with the perfect hook for talking about Egyptian cinema. I began our discussion by asking Rebecca how she fell in love with Arab and North African cinema. That's a really great question. I think it started with uh, my having moved to France. I'd been interested a little bit in Arabic culture a little bit before because of some music work I'd been doing. But when I moved to France, I ended up meeting a lot of writers and actors and aspiring filmmakers from North Africa. And we ended up talking about a lot of things. And because I was interested in film, had already been writing film reviews for my college newspaper, then we had a lot of things in common and we just kind of expanded that. Eventually, I came back to the U.S. and then moved to Morocco for a year to cover various things happening in Morocco and Algeria. And in the process, met a lot of people in the film industry in Morocco. And when I came back, I realized that I was very interested in these things, had watched a lot of these films, read a lot of these books. And there was sort of an absence of information and an absence of scholarship on some of this stuff. So when I ended up going to SDSU's School of Cinema, the ATFM department, I ended up presenting in various conferences, especially on that, on North African film and then expanded to Arab film because it was sort of like this natural move over and then there's this general expansion. Now, in the second part of this podcast, I will be speaking with uh, Khaled El-Nawi, and I want to kind of set a context, a little bit of a context for talking about Egyptian film. And 
Egypt is in a kind of an interesting spot because it's part of Africa, yet in America we tend to look at Egypt as more part of the Middle East. And mm-hmm. so this makes it a kind of a, it's in an interesting place. Very much so. And I think San Diego is very lucky to have Khalid al-Nabawi coming in because he's a very interesting actor, top in what he's doing in Egypt. And it will bring a lot of this to the fore. It's interesting in conversations I've had with my friends from the area who kind of joke and say, we're the Middle East. Okay, the middle of what exactly? How are we the middle? So for many people in North Africa, which is sort of above the sub-Sahara, which goes from Morocco on the way to Egypt, there's this dual identity. And at times the dual identity has been maybe skewed one side and skewed to the other. But Egypt in particular really does feel this double connection and has historically, going all the way back to the time of the pharaohs and and that kind of thing, where they really are a very integral part of Africa, but at the same time have been moved into the Arab world, into the Muslim world, in part by the initial conquest and then by the continuing experience of being an Arabic-speaking country in large part. There are other languages there too, but also having this kind of bicultural identification. Now, if we do get films from Africa, they tend to be films that are from former French colonies because the French are very active in kind Mm -hmm. of fostering cultural exchanges like that. So we tend to see those kind of films. Is it hard to find a truly African film here in the United States to watch? I think there's a problem with foreign film distribution into the United States in general. Then you have the issue of cultural identity. People tend to want more in terms of European films. They feel a little closer to them. Asia does extremely well. India has been doing much, much better as its distribution in. And Arab film and African film rise and fall, in part due to whatever politics and whatever cultural interests seem to be going on here. There is another problem, too, which is monetary, and part of it is the distribution channels and how much it costs to first make the film, then get the distributors interested, and then to distribute. But I think the way for us to see many of these films is to see them in festival. Now, in terms of Egypt in particular... We actually have a very nice opportunity here in San Diego to see an Egyptian film uh, courtesy of Karama, the Mm -hmm. group which brings us the Arab Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So tell me what is screening. And again, when we mention Egypt, a lot of people may think of the only Egyptian actor that they probably know, which is Omar Sharif. Oh, and they're so lucky because they get to see him. (laughs) Young, very young young and attractive. Oh, very much so. Omar Sharif appears in Struggle on the Nile, which is a 1959 film. And Struggle on the Nile is sort of the the traditional idea of two men and a woman and having to work their way through various things. And it's a great way to sort of reintroduce yourself to Omar Sharif, the younger Omar Sharif, because within a few years of this film, he's picked up by David Lean for Lawrence of Arabia. And he's picked up by David Lean because Lean was very much interested in casting ethnically appropriate actors. And in fact, this launches... Omar Sharif's career to the rest of us. But, you know, we had one in Egypt. And, you know, he was very well, well respected. He was very well cast. You know, directors really loved him. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to see why 
Omar Sharif was this rising star. And very much like Khalid al-Nabawi, Omar Sharif was discovered by Yusuf Shaheen, the great Egyptian director. So they share those roots. And Shaheen had an excellent eye for people who would not only play well on camera, look good, but could really feel the depth of the stories that he was trying to tell. And he particularly liked working with Omar Sharif. So I think it's a real treat for people to be able to see this film. So people will have an opportunity to see Struggle on the Nile here in San Diego on Sunday, May 22nd at Cinema Under the Stars, which is a gorgeous venue to see any movie, so this especially, and that'll be Sunday evening. And on Monday evening, the 23rd, people will have a chance to see Khaled in something, which is The Citizen, which you had a chance to review when it came here to San Diego. So what's the story about? The story of The Citizen is really interesting. Uh, The director, Sam Khadi, this is his debut film. And I think he did a really good job in putting forward some of the issues that happened after 9-11. Not many people may realize that, in fact, many people of Middle Eastern descent in the United States were hauled in by Homeland Security, and some of them were never released. Many were hauled in accidentally. Some were hauled in because people had reported on them because they seemed suspicious and different things like this. Just not to give away the story, but it's about a young Lebanese man who has won the green card lottery. This is not unusual. People apply for the green card lottery. They get the green card and they're really happy and they come here. However, he's had the misfortune to show up as 9-11 is unfolding and the issues of 9-12. And he falls into the cracks of all the events that cover and are part of this particular experience. So what brings you to the States? I won the lottery. How long have you been applying for the green card lottery? 12 years. Welcome to America. Thank you, sir. Sometimes you have to know when to quit. It's my life is trying to destroy here. So you show up at JFK one day before 9-11. You want me to see this is one big fat coincidence? It's obvious that you people don't want me here. You can beat this. You just have to decide, remember? Husband already decided. Well, I need you to tell me everything about you. What brought you to this country? I wanted to become an American. And Kadi follows him through a number of different experiences, which really did happen to many different people. And it's a great introduction for people now at this remove to think about what happens when a country becomes so traumatized and perhaps even paranoid after such an event. And what happens to the people who are on the margins of that event, perhaps even connected ethnically to someone involved, and how they too suffer. And what are some of the things? And I think for San Diego, this is important also because there was a call up by Homeland Security in San Diego of young men of Middle Eastern descent. Uh, The film itself is really beautifully shot. It's got some very, very gorgeous, gorgeous settings. And I think Nabawi really, really 
does a beautiful job in this film. He is a very anchoring, a very calming presence in the film, but also he's able to really kind of put forward the different emotions and the confusion and the ability to somewhat come to a position of grace, I think, by the end of the film. And he does this very elegantly. So it's really a beautiful film. And I think I would definitely encourage people to go see it. He is an actor who is well established mm-hmm. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he has also made films in the English language. Yes. What kind of challenges do actors like him face when they are trying to come to a different country to make films? Are they facing stereotypes? Are they kind of getting typecast in roles? And are these roles vastly different from what they're playing in their country of origin? I think that's a great question. And El Nabawi has had a couple things to say about it himself. It's very interesting. El Nabawi has been very lucky in that he has risen to prominence in Egyptian cinema. He is well regarded as an actor. But in his coming over into American film, he's been very careful in the roles he chose. He was cast in the Kingdom of Heaven, which is the story of Saladin and the Crusades. And he has been very, very clear that he is not interested in being offered roles where he has to play the terrorist or the assassin or the whatever it is that's scaring us currently. And he's been very clear on that because within his choice of roles, there are several things that seem to guide his choice. One is he's looking for roles that stretch him as an actor. And playing terrorist number two probably doesn't do it. The other thing he's very much interested in is working on roles that bring a more open, more humanitarian, or more humane, perhaps, view of things. So he's been choosing roles where he, the character, often basically playing a Middle Eastern character, is not one-dimensional, is not running around screaming his head off or whatever, but has brought something deeper and something more human to that particular role. And he's been very clear on these roles. So he did that in the Kingdom of Heaven, and he's particularly interested, I guess, in how that comes across in Sadat, because he's very interested in showing people that Arab culture and Arab people, and Egyptians in particular, are very much part of the experience of humanity. We're all in this together, and this is really part of his mission. I did want to point something out about him that I think is really interesting. He's a little bit more than an actor in the sense that in Egypt, he took a great risk in standing up early on for the Arab Spring in Egypt. And he's been very outspoken publicly and also physically present at a time where perhaps it would be very scary to be a well-known person. All kinds of things have happened to people, as we know. But he was very adamant that this is Egypt. This is the Egyptian people. He's part of the Egyptian people, and he wants to speak for them. So he did a very interesting little series of PSAs called Egypt Will Not Be Harassed. Yes, I يا سلام يا عم زعلان عشان شتمك بامك اكيد والدتك ست اميره لكن اللي انت بتعمله ده ايه يا عنتر Egypt is not to be harassed together against unhuman acts produced on his own dime by his own production company in an effort to help smooth the experience for women who had come out and were part of the revolution and the Arab Spring and to make it really clear that harassment of the Egyptian women who came out also as citizens, as participants, 
was not an Egyptian value and not something that should be tolerated. So I think that's very interesting that he's done that as well. And are there any Egyptian films that you would recommend people to seek out? There are several. And I think that Yusuf Shaheen's last film, Chaos, is really interesting in the sense that Yusuf Shaheen is using his position as a filmmaker to look at some of the really serious issues, the corruption, some of the social issues that are coming up in Egypt, which precede the Arab Spring, which are moving into the Arab Spring. Another one that I find is very interesting that really gave Egyptian cinema a tremendous boost is the Yakubian building. The Yakubian building is often novel by Alal Sawani, but it is very unusual in that it looks at many different levels of society. This is in the novel as well. And it focuses on several things that have been very taboo in Egyptian cinema for quite a long time, which would be issues of homosexuality, issues of of politics, of corruption, the rise of the Muslim Brotherhood, the uh, radicalization of a young man, why would he be radicalized in this way, and how people would find happiness in perhaps a way that might be unusual in Egyptian society, but works for them. And it's a beautifully shot film. It has a number of very well-known Egyptian actors. And I think it's one that people might find interesting, and it did extremely well, both in domestic box office and in international. And if people want to try and find some of these films, these Egyptian films or Arab films or films from Africa, what are some good sources to go to? Well, in San Diego, people are really quite lucky. The San Diego Public Library system has been very good in acquiring a lot of different films. I think that the Yacobian building is certainly in the library. I've seen it listed. Cows, I'm not so sure. There are a number of North African films there, as well as Silences of the Palace that they can check out and see. We also have another source which is very easy to work with is Kensington Video on Adams Avenue. They have an extraordinary range of foreign films and I think that if they don't have it, they will certainly work on acquiring it for you, which is always nice. There are, I believe, probably several sources online. You might be able to stream some of these. And then there are distributors like Arab Film Distribution up in Seattle that have very clearly laid out websites. And I think they'll be more than happy to help you acquire the film if you want. And if it's something that even you're interested in maybe showing some of your friends, they can help you with that as well. All right. Are there uh, any last words you'd like to have on talking about some Egyptian cinema? Well, I'm really pleased that we're going to be able to see these things. A Struggle on the Nile is a great example of the golden age of Egyptian cinema. It's an absolutely beautiful production, and it's really worth taking the time to go see it. The other thing that I think it's good is that we get a chance to think about Egyptian cinema because what we don't realize is that Egyptian cinema in its various forms, including the musicals, had tremendous amounts of influence on the Arab world in general. And as a connection to our show that's coming in, the one on Camp David, a funny little aside, and it's interesting that uh, Khaled on the Bawi is, is involved in this, that Anwar Sadat almost missed his role, his starring role, early starring role, shall we say, in Egypt in 1952 when there was the coup that was about to happen because he and his family were at the cinema. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca, for speaking with us about uh, Egyptian cinema. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. And I hope that people enjoy both the film and the play.
That was Rebecca Romani, who teaches and writes about film and is a guest blogger at Cinema Junkie. Now for my interview with Elna Bowie. Let's begin by hearing a clip of him playing Anwar Sadat in Camp David. Richard Thomas plays Jimmy Carter. There is no way to make peace between us. I am an Arab and he's Jew. And that's it. You leave me no choice. If Egypt wages another war against Israel, the United States will crush you. And Egypt will be alone, destroyed, friendless for generations because of you. You want to become our enemy? You decide right now. You threaten me. It's a statement of fact. Either we accept to be humiliated by the Jew, or America will destroy us. If I ask my people to choose, I know they will refuse to be on their knees before the Jew. On what? We have been warned. God has told us we cannot trust the Jews, they are a treacherous people. Oh, that doesn't sound like Anwar Sadat. It's not worthy of you. The Quran is filled with messages of tolerance. Do not quote me the Quran. The Jews are cursed because they turned away from God. I have known bigots all my life, and they almost always pick up a holy book to justify their prejudice. You're an ignorant man. <coughs> ignorant of who we are. You know nothing about our problems, and yet you think you can solve them all at once. No, you're not only ignorant, you're crazy. Oh, you're right, you're right. It was a crazy idea, completely insane. Put an Arab and a Jew on a mountaintop in, in Maryland and ask them to make peace? What was I thinking? <laughs> These people don't care about peace. They just want to go on waging war century after century, bleeding into the sand because God wants them to hate each other. That was a scene from Camp David at the Arena Stage. The Globe production also stars Hallie Foote as Rosalind Carter and Ned Eisenberg as Menachem Begin. It was directed by Molly Smith, who helmed the world premiere back in 2012. Days before my interview, members of Anwar Sadat's family came to see Camp David at the Globe. I asked El Nabawi how it felt to have people who knew Sadat intimately be in the audience watching his performance. Of course it's special that you're playing, I mean, a leader and his family is, is here in San Diego and it's, uh, it's special. Of course I... I want everyone to watch the play, not only them. I love the play, and I'm very happy to be here in San Diego at the Old Globe. Uh, you know, it, it's good for them to see that their father is rewarded after all of these years. And for me, it was um, just before I come to the stage this night that I have a little bit of thinking that they know everything about him. They know how he moves, how he talks, how he gestures, how he... And uh, I would hope that just they uh, see his spirit on stage, his way of thinking. And it was a very special moment for everyone, not only me. And in playing the character of Sadat, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Oh, the challenge is because I, I wanted to be transformed to Sadat. Uh, as you see me, I am identically like him. <laughs> I'm not at all. <laughs> uh, but it's, um, of course, I needed to be transformed. And uh, the makeup artist has done a great job here in the Old Globe and in Arena Stage when we have done it years ago as well. I thank everyone uh, that worked on this. You know, as a role, it's a very difficult role. But really, 
I'm very lucky to have Molly Smith as a director and uh, all of the cast, my friends, Hallie and Richard and Ned, because uh, together we brought something uh, that nobody can bring it individually. And why was it important for you to be a part of this play? It's a play that takes us back to a period in time that some people from a younger generation may not remember that well. So did you feel kind of that this was an important piece for you to do? Yeah, first of all, it's a good play and it's a good role. And this is what an actors need. <laughs> a good director, a good role, and a good play or a good movie, whatever. This is what I have in this play. And uh, for the audience, the play tells the truth as it happened, which is very important for the young generation and even for the old generation that they don't know everything that happened behind the scenes. It's important. It's an entertaining play, which I like very much. Uh, because through this negotiation between the three men and with the great help of the fourth character, which is Rosie, played by Halifoot, through this politics and negotiation, and uh, you can entertain people because we have to entertain pe people, uh, no matter it's politics or not. Well, with this, a lot of people probably remember pieces from the news, news reports about it. But what the play seems to get at is the humanity behind it, the people. Yeah, this is true. This is true because they are in a very tough situation. They are uh, carrying a lot on their shoulders. It's, it's not easy. You are a film actor in Egypt, uh, a film celebrity, a star. So what is it like to go from film to doing a stage production? Is What's the difference for you as an actor? I mean, you have a live audience as opposed to, you know, not having a live audience with a film. So is there a different kind of satisfaction or a different kind of set of skills you use? Um, originally, I'm coming from the theater oh. because I studied the um, theater in the Academy of Art in Egypt. But I have done my first movie when I was at the second year of the Academy. So theater for me, uh, I don't feel a stranger when I'm on the stage. And uh, it's very interesting because you find the rhythm every night with the audience. You play it with the audience. You don't play it, uh, you know, you play the movie with the director, with the other actors. And he's going to find the rhythm on the set and in the editing room. But he, but on stage you find the rhythm with the audience. It's, uh, it's interesting. They play with you and we have to play with them. And as much as this is a secret, I don't know if every audience know or not, that as much as they are looking for us to watch us, we also are looking for them which kind of audience we are going to have tonight, you know? you know? And we feel it. We feel the difference mm -hmm. between um, audience and another every night. 
In San Diego, we're going to have an opportunity to see one of your films, not one of your Egyptian films, but one that you made here in the United States, The Citizen. How did you feel when you learned that the country that you fought so hard for to become a citizen of sought to deport you? I was devastated and confused. Can you elaborate, please? Even after being detained for a crime that I did not commit, I still wanted to stay here and become a citizen. I thought to myself, this country is just going through a crisis and one day I will have my freedoms like everyone else. And now, they say you hate our freedoms. How is this possible? Why would I spend my whole life dreaming about freedoms that I hate? And what would you say to those Americans who think that you should be sent back to Lebanon immediately? I would just ask them to remember what they had to go through to become an American citizen. What I want to say, I respect the laws of this country in a way that only an immigrant can. Tell me about that role in taking that on. What was that like for you? I really love the story of the citizen and uh, I love the cause. Just it tells the people that um, people are coming from the Middle East are not uh, terrorists. They are just uh, normal people. And um, they paid a huge price after 9-11. And um, you cannot quote millions for what some individuals has done. I'm talking generally. Uh, for example, you cannot quote the American people for what some of the American officers has done in Iraq, for example, in, in Abu Ghraib prison. You, you cannot do this. And, um, and really, I love the story. It's, it's very interesting about uh, a guy who won the green card lottery and he arrived to New York one day before 9-11. Oh, my goodness. It's, I, I loved it. And um, I love doing this movie with the cast, uh, really, Bill Atherton, Carrie Elwes, Agnes Brockner, all of them, Rizwan Manjir, all of them. And I uh, was very happy working with uh, Sam Caddy, the director. American films or Hollywood films tend to typecast people. And when they're casting people who are Middle Eastern, they may stereotype them in certain ways. So are you being very careful in the films you choose to make here in the U.S. or in the English language to make sure you kind of avoid those typecast roles? I don't like stereotype anywhere. In Egypt or here, I don't like stereotype. Sometimes you have something very light and entertaining and you want to do it. It's, it's, it's fine with me. But if you want to talk even about a terrorist. Why I turn down all these kind of roles that I'm offered? Because it's it's just say, here there is a terrorist. Uh, they take this region as, I mean, folkloric. These are terrorists are uh, riding camel and, you know, it's something like five uh, centuries ago. But I don't mind to play why this terrorist became a terrorist. I don't mind to, to tell what's behind him to be a terrorist. Who paid him to be a terrorist? Who financed him to be a terrorist? I would love to do that 
because this will help everyone to understand the whole dimensions of what's going on in the world now. Because, for example, ISIS, they have many nationalities that they are not from the Middle East, right? Mm -hmm. so we need to find this, what's, what's going on? What's going on? If we believe in humanity, we need to, to understand. We need to speak the truth. So do you look for roles in films that kind of have more to them than just making a film, that they're films that maybe don't have a message but at least have something to say and are not, you know, just frivolous? I, I am looking to entertain people oh. all the time. It's great if it has a message. And you know what? The message doesn't have to be uh, that big that you might meet with a very simple person tells you th something that you do not forget the rest of your life very simple per person he's not a i mean he he, he doesn't take uh, he doesn't speak uh, philosophy or politics or just tell you something the message is i i believe is always there god has told us everything everything and created us with all what we need on this planet, in this life, in this universe. I think for most Americans, when you, if you bring up the idea of Egyptian cinema or Egyptian actors, probably the only thing that comes to their head is Omar Sharif. So tell me a little bit about what Egyptian cinema is like in terms of, is it a big industry? Are there a lot of films produced? What's it like? Uh, first of all, Omar Sharif was a great legend in Egypt, of course, be, before he comes to the States. And he was also in Hollywood cinema. I was um, very lucky to have the chance to do two movies with him. One of them, we played the same role but different ages, uh, which is the Traveler movie. Uh, the first one, I was too, too young. I played his son in the movie, which is uh, called The Egyptian Citizen. You know, for me, there is no big difference between American movies and Egyptian movies, uh, those in Arabic and those in English, you know. I was very lucky also to work with the greatest people in uh, in Egypt as well. And uh, I had great uh, experiences through working with um, uh, Ridley Scott in Kingdom of Heaven and uh, Doug Lyman in Fair Game and Sam Caddy in The Citizen. Uh, and now our beloved play Camp David with, um, with the lovely and great director, Molly Smith. So are there a lot of films that are produced in Egypt each year? Is it a, a big industry in terms of the amount of films made? It is the, the big industry in the Middle East and the Arab world. And uh, they call the Egyptian cinema East Hollywood. This is what they used to call it, uh, the Egyptian cinema. And, uh, the market for the Egyptian cinema is the Arab world mm -hmm. because they understand the Egyptian language. It's, it's more simple than Arabic, but the same letters. And when we do a movie in Egypt, we go 
to every country in the Arab world to open the movie there as well. People in the Arab world are very familiar with the Egyptian cinema. We were producing more before. Now it's becoming less uh, for many reasons. But I believe that very soon uh, it will be raised up again. Egypt kind of occupies an interesting position because you're kind of part of the Middle East and the Arab world, but also part of the African continent. Are you kind of a bridge between Egypt is the middle of the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, you look at the map, and it's not only Africa. Uh, You said the Middle East and Africa. It's it's Sinai, you can uh, talk about Asia. Mm -hmm. It's connected to Asia. By Upper Egypt connected to Africa, by Alexandria, this is the Mediterranean, which is Europe, you know. And um, we have the Mediterranean, we have the Red Sea, we have the Nile, and we have Suez Canal. Really, Egypt is a, a connection point for the whole world. And not because I'm Egyptian, uh, I'm going to say this, but it's just the fact that the first human behavior 7,000 years ago was in Egypt. The first one who said, God is only one, was Ignatum, the Egyptian pharaoh. And this is why I always tell people, come to Egypt. Egypt is not only for Egyptians. Egypt for is for the entire humanity. Come to Egypt to memorize the history, to memorize the civilization, to meet with great and kind people. If you had to recommend uh, a couple of your films from Egypt to people in the United States to have them kind of seek those out. What could what films might they be able to find, or what films are you most proud of? It's not that I am proud. It's you know, <laughs> it's that I'm lucky that I was a part of it, which is the immigrant with the greatest Yusuf Shaheen, uh, the director, and he. By the way, he is the one who invented Omar Sharif. <laughs> yeah, for his first two movies. And did he also discover you? He gave me my first lead, which is The Immigrant. Also, Beirut, Open City, which is a movie that I've done in Lebanon. Uh, you're talking about Egyptian movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, also the Destiny movie, which is a very important movie about how a fanatic will be created how they shift his mind, how they control his brain. Um, These are the movies that I recommend. Because I love movies. Movies are kind of like these ambassadors from other countries that help us to understand, I think, other cultures and other people. And so we don't get that many films from Egypt. So having you here is a real honor and privilege to be able to ask you to kind of like give us some enlightenment about what films to seek out. Thank you for having me. And I'm honored to be here, such a spiritual place, artistic place. And the audience, they just 
embrace art. You cannot miss this here. And you also seem to be an artist who has interests outside of just uh, the artistic field because you are also someone who's fairly politically active as well. And that is that something important to you? Let's call it politically interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I feel that uh, fame is a big responsibility. When I have a chance, I just try to help. I mean, for example, in my country, I stand to support the women cause. I mean, I use my art to talk about what really concerns them, what annoys them, like what I've done in Egypt is not to be harassed, which is a campaign against sexual harassment. I directed it, I wrote it, I produced it. I never thought I want to be a politician at all. Art is much, much, much <laughs> nicer and prettier. And art is, is I, you know, <laughs> I cannot leave art for, politic, for, for politics. <laughs> but you can use art for politics. <laughs> I can, you mean, I can criticize politics, I can, through art we can, I believe we need art because politics is really, really, really is doing really bad. Politics is doing, they are just maintaining the war everywhere. What are they doing, the leaders in, in this world? Just maintaining and keeping the war everywhere in the world. What's going on, really? The whole humanity is at risk. Nobody is safe. Come on. Come on. If you hit uh, uh, my deepest condolences for the families who lost relatives mm -hmm. in Egypt airplane today that were coming from Charles de Gaulle to Cairo, mm -hmm. uh, really, it's... Ca can you choose the passengers? If you are hitting passengers, you cannot choose their nationalities. So nobody is safe. Mm -hmm. We need to do something. This is just, I'm, I'm ashamed of what the leaders are doing. Mm -hmm. I'm really ashamed. Just maintaining the war everywhere. We need to stop this. We are talking about the children and children of children and, 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 and the future and just but we have to take care because when we go and hit someone in a country, one day this will fire back. It doesn't have to be now. We are just creating the sense of revenge in this world while God told us how to be merciful, how to be generous, how to be kind. What's going on? So let me ask you this, if you could choose any role to play or any film to make, is there one that you have in mind that maybe would go towards those questions? Just remind people with what the great people has done for humanity. Just talk about Martin Luther King. Just talk about Lincoln. But is there a particular role that you have in mind that you would love to play? Uh, it's not about me. 
it's just... Well, it is kind of right it's, now. Let's, We're let's, <laughs> let's, to, let's talk about Gandhi. Let's talk about these people who really dedicated themselves for the humanity and remind people with this, remind people with this, because really the media is just... I don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can return to Egyptian film for one quick moment because... In San Diego, we have the opportunity this weekend to see uh, Struggle on the Nile, which was Omar Sharif's film from 1959, before he got cast in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. This, this was his first movie. Struggle on the Nile. Uh, no, this was no, this was something like fourth movie for him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so this is a film that we get to see. Is this a film that was important in Egypt, or, or a big film in Egypt? Yeah, all what he has done were, were really great. He's a big legend, and he was always an inspiration for for actors. Not only because he he came to Hollywood and worked here. No, no, he he was a big star in Egypt. Right. Any final comments you have about working on Camp David or about your films? Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'll be continuing to explore African cinema in an upcoming podcast focusing on a first-time female director who's making a film in Nairobi about music, dance, politics, and trains. But before that podcast, I'll be focusing on Shakespeare mania as the first folio comes to San Diego and on the upcoming Film Out Film Festival featuring the best in LGBT cinema. If you don't want to miss any episodes, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also look through the archives at kpbs.org slash junkie podcast. Until our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.